0: This morning to Philippians chapter number one, Philippians chapter number one, and uh, we'll light right into some preaching here today. <coughs> Ain't God good? Amen. Anybody got a word of testimony on your heart, anything that you need to say or do before we get into the preaching of the word of God this morning? Yes, little Gus is, uh, of course, you know, in the hospital. And I thought it'd be good if we could get some of our young people together and make him a card to send him. And uh, we probably need to get that done pretty quick. I'm not sure about service. We're going to try to have service tonight. We'll just plan on doing it to get it done tonight. I've been back and forth about what to do tonight because they called for some snow, but I don't think it's going to get too bad before 5 o'clock this evening. So we'll try to have service tonight and try to get a card made for Gus. Okay, so if y'all want to buy some stuff, bring some stuff for that. Uh, Philippians chapter number one, and I want to read one verse, verse number 12 this morning, and try to deliver our heart of thought uh, that I believe God has laid on her heart. Monday, I'm riding up the road, I've got several messages that I'm wanting to preach. I've got a series on Abraham, because I know how Melissa loves my series, so I've got it just for her, a series of four or five messages on Abraham that I'm anxious to preach. And I've got a message I've been wanting to preach forever on why Jesus couldn't die. But Jesus just won't let me preach it just yet, and uh, so I've been wanting to preach that and then I got another thought on uh, on uh, some field some some ground worth standing on looking forward to preaching on that uh, but it's riding up the road Monday with all these thoughts on my mind God put me back in uh, Philippians chapter number one and he put a thought on my mind so I'm riding up the road on Monday put a thought up on my mind about dealing handling adversity and uh and it wasn't very long into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I started realizing why God had laid this message on my heart. A great many of you have been in and around my office and on the phone with me this week facing trouble. Well, uh, that's life. Life's full of trouble. Man's born a few days and full of troubles. This old world's full of heartaches and we're full of troubles. But I'm glad that you and I, we live above the snake line and we are in that area of conquerors and more than conquerors through him that love does. And uh, so I'm glad while this world is full of trouble, I'm glad that Jesus had a plan. Amen. I'm glad the Word of God's got an answer. I love the book of Philippians. It's become maybe my favorite book of the Bible. I've probably preached more out of it in the last year or two uh, than any other book. I want us to just look this morning at one verse, verse number 12, and I'm going to read it and then I'm going to deal with a few other verses here in Philippians and try to uh, be a blessing to you. I just want to be a help, want to be a help to you today. Uh, The Bible said, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Let's... Say a prayer and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we ask, Lord, this morning that you'd help us in a special way today. Lord, it sure is good to see some friends' faces in the congregation that we've not seen in a while. That's always an encouragement in my heart. Lord, I pray today that you'd touch hearts across this congregation. Lord, I know there's different struggles, different people facing different things uh, in and around the folks that are here today. And I pray, God, that we could say or do something today that would allow them to receive some help. Uh, Lord, don't ever allow me to be a hurt. But God, I pray that you'd help me to be a help. Do that now as only you can in our midst, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to spend a few moments here, and like I said, uh, this uh, verse number 12, in order to understand it, really, you've got to understand where Paul is at And most of you know, as I I said, preach from Philippians a lot. It's a prison epistle. He's writing it uh, from a Roman jail cell. And no doubt, as uh, of course, if you study life of Paul, he wanted to go to Rome. But he didn't want to go to Rome this way. He wouldn't go on his own accord. But instead, he went in handcuffs. And uh, he's there in Rome, and he's in jail. And now, don't you know that a great many nights, uh, the death climbed up on uh, Paul's shoulder and said, why, you're a failure and you're a miserable low down, good for nothing jailbird. Uh, you, uh, you've really messed up, Paul. I tell you, you should have uh, not have followed God. You should have stayed to them Pharisees. You know that the flesh and the devil had uh, told him a lot of those things while he was down there in the jail cell down in the lowest part of his life. But by the time he has wrote the book of Philippians, he is able to really give us a master class on how to overcome adversity. And uh, the fact is that adversity comes in everybody's life. If you're not in trouble this morning, then you ought to run a lap and say, Hallelujah, thank God, uh, I've got it pretty good. But across this congregation today, View there's many people, probably the majority. Of you walked in this building this morning and you're facing a hard time. It maybe is a financial problem, maybe it's a physical problem, maybe it's a problem with your family. Uh, maybe you've had some sort of tragedy that has come into your life this week, maybe some sort of heartache uh, seems to have overtaken you, and it's common unto man. It happens to everybody. Uh, life's tough, and you know, uh, we all face it. I began to think about adversity. I read where one man said, he said, I'll say this for adversity, people seem to be able to stand it, which is more than I can say for prosperity, and that's so true. You know, adversity, only by adversity do we get growth. It's only everything in nature, everything in the world only grows by adversity. Now, I want you to think about something this morning. Now, stay with me, and I'm going to get to three little simple falls. But I want, to think, I want you to think about something. If you want your muscles to grow, what do you do? You say, well, I take steroids. No, 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 no. If you want your muscles to grow, you go to the gym. What does those weights do? It puts your muscles under a pressure. It puts your muscles under adversity, and through and by that adversity, your muscles begin to grow. Probably everybody in here has heard the story of the butterfly and how that when that butterfly gets in that cocoon and uh, time comes, you know, and them cocoons will begin to shake. I remember a few years ago we were at Walt Disney World and there in Epcot Center they had a big butterfly pavilion and there in that box was those cocoons of butterflies that they were starting to shake. That meant those butterflies were trying to break out of that cocoon and fly. They said one time a man and a, his daughter, they got some milkweed and had some uh, some some caterpillars and ended up with some cocoons. And then one afternoon that cocoon began to shake and that little girl feeling sorry for that butterfly took an exacto knife and cut open that cocoon and allowed that butterfly to fall out but the butterfly never would fly. All of the other butterflies flew off but that butterfly that she cut out would not fly. They began to ask some biologists and different things about it and they said oh that shaking is that butterfly uh, using its wings to try to get out of that cocoon and it's what strengthens that butterfly to fly and without that adversity that butterfly will never fly so everybody goes to adversity there's purposes in it there's a reason for it and real spiritual growth only comes during hard times now anybody want to volunteer for a hard time me neither I like it smooth don't you I say I like it I like everything the way I want it go But I'm telling you, as I look back over my life, how many of you would have to agree with me? It was the hard times where I learned the lessons that lasted. It was when I went through trouble that I came out on the other side a stronger and more able person. It's when I went through the hardness of life and learned to trust in God and learned when I didn't have anything else I could do but pray, that prayer was all that I needed. It was during those times that I advanced my relationship with the Lord. It's during hard times. Not during the smooth sailing. It's when the babies are laying in the hospital. That's when things get real with God. It's not when everything's going fine. It's when you don't have enough money in the bank account to pay the bills. That's when you get real with God. That's when you have them frank conversations. It's when you go to the doctor and somebody says, Cancer. That's when you go to talking to God in a very real, open, and frank way. Your heart opens up. You're busted on the inside. And that is when you start to grow as a Christian. You ought to look at troubles not as a setback, but as an opportunity for you to grow and get closer to the Lord. So I'll give you three things this morning, three problems right here. Number one, often in adversity, listen to me now. Often in adversity, we have a seeing problem. What do you mean, preacher? Well, one of the problems with facing adversity is that you and I, when we're going through problems, we're living on a little bitty piece of a great big puzzle. But we fail to see the entirety of the puzzle. All we can see is the piece that we're living on right now. We don't have a vision to look out and to think big, but really what Paul is saying here in verse 12 is he is thinking big picture, and that's what I want you to try and do today. Paul has big picture thinking. He said, All of these things that are happening to me, this been to the furtherance of the gospel, God is working big things out. I may not understand this little piece of the puzzle that I'm living in here in this Roman jail cell, but I know that beyond here something big's happening, and I'm just trusting God for the big picture because I'm just living in a little piece. But there's a big picture out there, and I'm going to trust God for the big picture. But you and I are short-sighted everlasting one of you we have problems come and it seems like that's the only thing in our life but when you start to look beyond it when you start to think a big picture that then all of a sudden your current trial is put into perspective. Look what Paul said in verse number 13. He said so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confidence by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know what Paul said? He said hey in my life right now everything's falling apart but I I've got big picture thinking. And I can see how it's helping others. I can see how it's been a blessing outside of my jail cell. I say to you this morning, friend, when you're facing hardships and problems, look up, think big picture. You're just in a momentary setback. But your momentary setback may be a big blessing to people outside of your realm of influence. Are you hearing what I'm preaching today? Hey, it gives you a proper perspective on what it is you're facing but then also when you have a big picture mentality you can start to connect things that didn't seem to make any sense at first when you're living in a trouble a lot of times things don't make sense until you allow yourself to take a breath back up and say okay let me look at this as the big picture okay I can see how this is working together with this and it's working together with that and it's going to bring this along and then this is going to happen and you start to see the bigger picture have you ever heard the saying have you ever heard the saying that when life gives you lemonades what do you do with it when life gives you lemons what do you do with it I don't know what you do when life gives you lemonade (laughs) sit down and drink it I reckon well wouldn't that be nice if all life ever gave us was lemonade, <laughs> we'd just sit on the front porch and drink it. But when life gives you lemons, what do you do? Make lemonade. Let me give you a few examples of it. So I got to looking at some of these this week. You ever, have, you ever heard of, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Charles Kettering? Anybody ever heard of him, Charles Kettering? Charles Kettering, he lived in the early 1900s. How many of you ever remember? You've probably seen it on pictures. Some of you maybe have old, been old enough to drive one. One of them cars that you had to crank in the front. I think my dad's first automobile had to crank it in the front. Or push it with his feet, I'm not sure. When you had a crank automobile, it had a problem. I never knew this until I got looking at it this week. I never have cranked one started. But they said them old cranked automobiles that what they'd do a lot of times, they'd lurch. And ended up injuring a lot of drivers trying to crank start an automobile. Well, Mr. Kettering, one day, he's crank-starting his car, and it lurched, and it broke his arm. He thought to himself, if this is the way we're going to start cars, they're never going to catch on. And out of that broken arm, while he was laid up with that broken arm, you know what he did? He invented the electric starter. Changed everybody's life on this planet. The lemonade, or the lemon was the broken arm. The lemonade was the starter. Jacob Schick, you ever heard of him? Jacob Schick was a he was a gold prospector in Alaska, and he wanted to shave, but when it's forty below zero and you pour the water in the pan, it freezes before you can get it on your face. So you know what he did? He invented the electric razor. <laughs> you see, life had given him a lemon, but he made lemonade. Let me give you a couple more. In Enterprise, Alabama. If you ever go to Enterprise, Alabama, there in the center of town is the most unusual monument you've ever seen. It's a lady in white. It's right in the middle of the road and she's holding up what appears to be a great big beetle. Strange monument if you've ever been through there in Enterprise, Alabama. That big old beetle actually is a bow weevil, a type of beetle. And there's a monument it's the only one in the world that I know of to a boll weevil in Enterprise Alabama now why in the world would Enterprise Alabama have a monument to a boll weevil well Because uh, during the cotton boom, uh, everything ran on king cotton, ups and downs through cotton. Everybody's livelihood in Enterprise, Alabama depended upon cotton. Uh, But then one year, the boll weevil came through and eat every piece of cotton in Enterprise, Alabama, completely struck the farmers. Uh, They almost went broke. So the next year, you know what they did? They diversified. They planted corn. They planted tobacco. They planted anything but cotton. Uh, And because of that, when cotton... Uh, fell through the floor. Uh, Enterprise, Alabama, was able to go on and be one of the greatest farming towns in all the country. And they liked what happened with that Bo weevil so good. They give him a statue right in downtown. Uh, they said that old Bo Weevil did us a favor. Uh, he brought in by our lives adversity uh, that we were able to overcome. Uh, think about how that Martin Luther wrote the Greek Bible while in prison. Uh, how John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress uh, while sitting in a jail. Cell. I'm just trying to give you a few example of people who adversity came in their life and they made the most of it. A big portion of your songbook was written by Fanny Crosby, blind in both eyes. I'm just here to tell you, my friend, when adversity comes, it doesn't have to be the end. You've got to just be able to see what God is doing in your life. You ought to look at it and say. How can God use this for my good and His glory? Let me give you one more. Anybody in here boxing fan? Anybody like boxing? I love boxing. I grew, up, I grew up Mike Tyson. Meanest man to ever put on gloves. I think pound for pound would have whooped any major league, any heavyweight champion that ever, I believe he'd have whooped Ali in two rounds. I mean, he's, he's a bad man. Back in the 1920s, there was a man by the name of Gene Tooney. Gene Tooney was a fighter over the Armed Forces League during World War I. He broke, in one year, broke both his hands. They told him he'd never box again. They said, your hands simply will not take the punishment of the boxing ring. Gene Tooney said, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll learn to be the most scientific boxer that's ever stepped in the ring. So he studied the art of boxing. He boxed his way up to the heavyweight title bout fighting Jack Dempsey. They got in the ring together and Gene Tooney used his scientific way of boxing and ended up the heavyweight champion of the world. They said if it hadn't been for him breaking his hands... He never would have done it because he did not have the speed. He did not have the power. Uh, He had to break his hands to get to the place where he would learn the art of boxing. Uh, You see, what you think may be killing you today may actually be a blessing. Uh, What you think may have destroyed you uh, may actually gonna be building you up. Uh, Listen today, Uh, adversity comes in our life for a reason. Uh, And we've gotta ask ourselves, uh, how can we be stronger because of what we're facing right now because of what we're going through. How can it make us better? Instead of saying how's it going to kill us, say how can we be made better by what it is that we're facing? So a lot of times we have a seeing problem. A lot of times we have a saying problem. What are you talking about? Did you know your mouth and your heart are forever linked together. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 6, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You ever met somebody that didn't have no filter? I'm bad. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I have learned. I, I filter more things than I... Really, I do. Y'all think I don't, but I filter a lot of things. Y'all ought to see what my mind thinks. <laughs> Thank God I don't say everything I think. She ever met somebody, if it comes in their mind, it comes out of their mouth, well... Really, that's true with about everybody. If it's in your heart or on your mind, it's eventually going to come out your mouth. One way or the other, it's going to come out your mouth. But I want to ask you something. You reckon the reverse of that's true? What do you mean, preacher? You reckon what we say gets in our heart? Let me show you something. Let me show you a verse right here in Philippians. Look what Paul said. Paul says there, Verse number nineteen, Philippians one. What he says? I'm looking. I've wrote down the wrong verse. I'm trying to. I'm trying to seem smart. (laughs) You got all day. Hallelujah. Talks about how let nothing be done through strife murmuring. Where's that at? Disputes, Verse 14 of chapter 2. See, that's speed reading right there. I read a chapter and a half. Verse 14, chapter 2. He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's that's what comes out of our mouth. So Paul said, when adversity comes, here's what I've learned to do. I've learned to be careful how I speak about it. Did you know what you say determines a whole lot about who you are? As a matter of fact, particularly what you say to yourself starts being a problem. The Bible said in Ephesians five nineteen, speaking to yourselves in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody into your heart. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you say, oh, yeah, another day. And the alarm clock goes off and you're like, really? I know this is going to be a terrible day. I just, I just don't want to even get up. I want to lay in the bed. I don't want to go to work. I hate my job. I hate the people I work with. Oh, it sounds like my family's up. And I don't like them either. <laughs> Today's terrible. Today's horrible. We're in a mess. This you know what all that stuff starts being? It starts being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Somebody nod your little head up and down. Then you start looking for the bad things. Oh, yeah. Then you start acting out the bad things. Well, Paul knew a little something about that. He woke up every morning in jail. (laughs) Can you imagine anything more depressing than waking up in jail? And yet Paul said, "Ah, it's time to wake up here. Well, hallelujah. I'm still saved. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Oh. And old Nero really thinks he's smart, but I've been winning all these guards to the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha, turning the whole palace upside down. He talks about that right there in the book of Philippians. He said, I'm reaching the whole palace from right here. I've got people bringing me gifts, and I'm sending out letters, and there ain't no telling what God's going to do today. And it makes me feel like singing a song. I, ain't God good to <laughs> give us so many blessings? And He just got His heart filled with joy. And then, what first thing you know, day's looking pretty good. So you determine a lot of that yourself. A lot of times, I have a speaking problem. It's that I've talked to you about it before. It's that voice in my head. Well, this ain't going to work good. This is going to be a disaster. Oh, so-and-so's mad at me. I can tell by the way they looked. Oh, look at all them people looking down on me. I know they are. Look at them. Look at them. They ain't looking at me, but I know if they could look at me, they'd be looking down on me. (laughs) Ain't no doubt. I know what they're thinking. I know what everybody is thinking. I'm looking at this crowd, and they're thinking, I wish the preacher would get done preaching. I got it snowing outside, and... We gonna, don't he know that NFC championships aren't going to be on here after a while? <laughs> it don't start till 6 o'clock or something. Yeah, all right. Thinking, a saying problem. So a lot of times there's a seeing problem, then a lot of times there's a saying problem. But Then let me give you this right here and I'm done. A lot of times there's a surrounding problem. You know what? Look what Paul said. Now here's why I wanted to read verse 19. (laughs) Look what he said. For I know, here's what Paul said he knew about this situation. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. What is he talking about? He's already saved. He's not talking about salvation of the soul. He's talking about getting freed from prison, getting loosed from his problem. He said, I know. what did he say? I know. Say it with me. I know. Again, I know. What do you know? Paul said, I know this is going to turn around. (laughs) How many of you? have ever seen somebody that ended up so surrounded by their problem that they became their problem? It it identified them as a person. Oh, that's the guy whose wife left. That's the guy who's got cancer. That's the guy that's going through financial problems. That's the guy... That's been to jail. Their problem became them. You ever seen that? They lived in their problem so long that they became their problem. Their problem surrounded them so long that it became them. It identified them as who they were. Uh, But you know what Paul said? Uh, He said, I don't believe that I'm going to be identified in life as being Paul the prisoner. uh, But rather, I believe I'm going to be identified as being Paul the apostle, uh, Paul the preacher, uh, Paul the writer, uh, Paul the instructor. Uh, And can I say to you today uh, that when you think about Paul, you don't think about his prison time uh, You don't think of him as a jailbird. No, you think about him as a mentor, an apostle, a leader, an instructor. You see, that was because Paul said, this situation is not going to define who I am going to be. It won't define me. It won't define me. You see, when adversity comes, there are avenues of escape. I'm gonna ask Justice to come on to the piano. And I'm gonna tell you one more, give you one more little illustration. You know, give an all recall. I don't watch your facing. Major Jackson said one time that if you'll preach to the hurting, you'll never be without somebody to preach to. I want to tell you one more. I want to tell you one more illustration here. By a little old boy by the name of Lewis. Lewis lived in the late 1800s. Go ahead, and start playing. Lewis lived in the late 1800s, and his father was a—he uh, was a leather smith. And Lewis, go every nine-year-old boy going there every day and watch his daddy work that leather. Well, one day uh, he asked his daddy, said, "I'd like to be a leather smith Could i work some leather." He said, "Why, sure." And, He got him a little awl and got him a little hammer and got him a pattern. Laid the leather out. Helped him make several indentions and turned his back to work on something. Heard little Louis scream out and he hit the awl and it flew up and it hit him in the eye. It put his eye out. That eye developed an infection and it eventually got his other eye completely blind. Nine years old. Well, one afternoon a friend of his came by and handed him a pine cone. He took that pine cone, and began to run his little fingers over it, and an idea came to his mind. She laid that little pine cone aside, and his mother led him back into the daddy's leather working shop. And Lewis Braille. Took that same eye, that same awe that had blinded him, and began to make little indentions in paper. And he invented the way that blind people still read to this day. He took that instrument of destruction, that thing that had blinded him. That thing that he thought had destroyed his life. And he used it for victory. If you'll allow the Lord today, you can take those struggles, you can take those heartaches, you can take those problems, and you can use them as climbing places. And God will elevate you to a higher location than you've ever been before spiritually. I've seen it a million times. It's how God works. It's how God does business, and I'm glad that it's the, the business that God is in. Let's stand our feet, Father. Lord, as much as I know how, I'm just tried to deliver the word of God today. I know across this building there's several families that are hurting, different. Obstacles, tragedies, and problems. Maybe a lot of situations where people think, what good could come out of it? But God, you're able to put marriages together. You're able to mend hearts and homes. You're able to do things, and it's only you can. Lord, help us today to seek your will. And through our heartaches, and through our troubles, That we'd look for your honor and glory and our good. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some boy, have started making their way toward the altar today. You say, preacher, I want to come this morning. Some troubles, I sure would like to turn into triumphs. Some adversity, I sure would like to overcome. heartaches I sure would like to talk to the Lord about. Problems that I sure could use a word from heaven.